Today on Not Sam Wrestling, the wrestling world is dismayed again. More talent releases from WWE. Let's go ahead and do it. Let's name the most important wrestling promos in the history of the world's greatest sport. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, happy Monday, everybody. Thanks for being here. Happy start of the week. Hope it's going to be a good one. We've got no reason to think it won't be right. Let's start with the right attitude. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling, uh, where we're getting closer and closer. Fans are coming back. Things are starting to happen. I was shocked. Edge's return. Of course, we knew Edge was going to be back at some point, but Edge's return on SmackDown did get me. And I loved that the buildup to his return was Paul Heyman going over everybody that Roman Reigns had beaten and then saying there's nobody left to face. Because it was literally taking that narrative that is a criticism to the storyline that we're seeing. You know, that's the thing. Like, nobody nobody can outwardly criticize the Roman Reigns story as it's happening. But after every opponent, they go like this. Well, what's he going to do next? Well, yeah, this was good now, but what's he going to do next? Like, at this point, it's been 10 months. I think we can have faith that the Roman Reigns storyline is being told in the right way. You know, you 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 build up uh, a level of trust with certain things based on previous performance. NXT, for example, there was no doubt in my mind that the Diamond Mine, because I remember, I was like, they've been advertising for a week. First of all, they built up for like four weeks ahead of time. And then for the last week have said, this is the show that the Diamond Mine is showing up on. And when the main event was in the ring and we were reaching 10 p.m., I thought to myself, the Diamond Mine is definitely showing up in this main event. But I think it's pretty smart that they're not mentioning them because if I hadn't thought of that, then I'd be like, oh, yeah, I forgot they said the Diamond Mine was coming and here they are. But at no point did I say, oh, they're probably blowing it off because NXT as a product has not led me to that. NXT is a very cohesive show. NXT is, 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 is an amazing show. NXT is one of those shows that you watch and you go, okay, I'm happy about being a wrestling fan. I feel the same way with Roman Reigns segments specifically. When I look at that Roman Reigns story, I know, like, the show that I was doing on the WWE Network, some of the episodes would include monologues where I would kind of go over some of my favorite stories in wrestling. And that's one of my favorite things to do. I wish there was a show like that. Maybe I should make a show like that. Or I'm just sitting there. For instance, the the Triple H musical sh- podcast episode that I did not too long ago, where you're going over the story of this character, right? I love good stories. I love folklore. I love canon when it comes to wrestling. And I already know watching this Roman Reigns story that at some point I'm going to be sitting there telling, you know, three years from now, I'm going to be talking about the year-long story of Roman Reigns finally achieving what he was meant to achieve. And we'll talk later about 
important promos in the history of wrestling. But the promo that Roman Reigns had with John Cena is a really important one. John Cena kind of shooting from the hip a little bit, telling Roman he wasn't good enough. Well, now, I don't know that John Cena can hang in the ring with a microphone with this version of Roman Reigns. I don't know if today's version of John Cena can hang with today's version of Roman Reigns. And the roles were reversed only a few years ago. And it's all because of this great Roman Reigns story that's been told. So when Edge's music hit, I was surprised. And the fact that, you know, watching Raw, they actually started making matches for Money in the Bank early, like four weeks in advance, we're actually starting to look at what this card looks like. We've got some of the participants for the Money in the Bank ladder match. We got Charlotte versus uh, Rhea Ripley in the rematch. We, I mean, still got to make some sense of that story, but the fact is that we have the match on paper. Now we've got Edge versus Roman Reigns also added to that show, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, we're back to selling tickets, boys. We're back to announcing matches in advance that people are going to want to buy tickets to see. Let's go. Makes me excited. It makes me excited. Um, what doesn't make me excited is when I see talented people out of a job. Let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about the the releases that WWE had uh, to close out last week. It was a it was a big NXT and 205 Live section uh, that was released on Friday. Um, Ever Rise, probably the biggest surprise. Um, although Breezango also a surprise ever rises a surprise though. Cause it was literally one of those things where I saw a video on like Wednesday that said they were going to move ever rise live, ever rise live, you know, the show that they've been doing on Twitter and stuff that they were going to move it to the WWE's YouTube channel and it was going to move days. And then like 24 hours later, they're gone. And I was like, okay. And you know, those are guys that like I look at and they just offer so much. Like, first of all, they clearly eat, breathe, sleep wrestling. Like, they're, they're, that's clearly who they are. But I mean, just the entertainment value alone of the stuff that they were doing on the internet, it's, it's odd to me that you couldn't find a spot for that. Uh, Tyler Breeze and Fandango both getting released. Um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a bummer for sure. Fandango. Had kind of an amazing run. 14 years, he said, with the WWE. Uh, coming in hot. Getting the big WrestleMania win over Jericho. Not wrestling until somebody said his name. Uh, bringing in Summer Rae with him. The whole deal. Uh, I, I thought a lot of the stuff they did with Breezango was a lot of fun, too. Uh, the skits that they did on SmackDown together. The Fashion Police stuff. Loved it. I was really enjoying the stuff they were doing in NXT where they were coming out in different costumes uh, every single week. And I had heard that that when they worked a pre-show match at Stand and Deliver, NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. And that's when like the pirate banners were up. You know, it was the uh, it was the Tampa themed show because it was going along with WrestleMania where the pirate ship was. And from what I heard, it was at their insistence when they were like, hey, are you guys we're, we're going to have you guys have a match on the pre-show. They were like, cool, we'll do it if we can dress up like pirates. <laughs> They're like, all right, you can dress up like pirates. Um, 
But yeah, it's a real bummer to see Fandango go and a real bummer to see Tyler Breeze go, man. Tyler Breeze is a real talented guy. I mean, it took him a while. He's in developmental. He finally finds this Tyler Breeze character that's like this like Zoolander meets like Fabio. He's got the selfie stick at a time that that was super, super relevant. You know, that was a great kind of accessory, the the Jim Cornette tennis racket of the modern era. I thought when he came out with the selfie stick and it had the furry lining and everything, I thought the character was genius. Uh, the theme music was fantastic. Uh, and then, as it turns out, he's a great wrestler. Like, he's the guy that NXT used for a long time as the guy that was going to have that dependable match with people as they were coming in. If you remember the first takeover in Brooklyn, that they did. It was the first takeover they did in, a, in an arena. It was Tyler Breeze versus Jushin Thunder Liger. You know, it's a big deal. They said, we want to bring in Jushin Thunder Liger. And I think that a lot of that was because they want to let the wrestling world at large know that they see the whole wrestling world, not just, you know, the NXT bubble. And they were like, we want to bring in Jushin Thunder Liger. And of course, they're going to put him in there with Tyler Breeze. And they tore the house down. It was great. Uh, and then the pairing of, like I said, the pairing of Breezango has been awesome. Um, you know, I, I, I would imagine that I, I wouldn't be shocked to see either one of those two come back as trainers, producers. I mean, they're just very wrestling minded people uh, unless they want to go and, and work for a while. I think Breezango on the indies for a while could be a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Uh, Killian Dane, I was really surprised at getting released because I'm, I've been really enjoying the stuff that Drake Maverick and Killian Dane are doing together in NXT. Killian Dane, uh, not put in the easiest spot ever, um, you know, trying to kind of find himself. And I thought that when they paired him and Drake Maverick together, the music, I think was perfect. The fact that he finally warmed up to him and they were, ah, I don't know, man. It was like <laughs> NXT had a really has had a really great rise of the tag team division and the cruiserweights are starting to become a real focus of the show. So I can only imagine that's a real bummer for some of these people. Like they lost three tag teams really in this set, technically four, if you count the Bollywood boys, but the Bollywood boys were really a 205 live act more so than an NXT act. Um, that conversation definitely comes up with the cruiserweights, but you know, losing Brizango and Everrise, and because of Killian Dane, the Drake Maverick Killian Dane team, that's that's a tough loss for NXT, especially for that tag team division. Uh, I was real worried too that Drake Maverick's name was going to pop up again on this list, but thank God it didn't. Um, Two hundred five Live guys, uh, Arya Davari, uh, Bollywood Boys, as I said, Kurt Stallion, August Gray, who was like just starting to pop up on NXT TV. Uh, Arturo Ruas, who I think a lot of people thought would pop up with the diamond mine, but didn't. Tony Nice, uh, who that's a real bummer because that's another guy who it's like, it was just like he was so clearly living his dream in WWE, and that's I think that that's one of the reasons why there was just something about him that fans related to, like they could see that it radiated off of him. Um, and then you've also got Tino Sabatelli who I did not know that Tino Sabatelli had come back to NXT. He was, I don't, I'm not confusing lists here. Tino Sabatelli was not, this isn't the last, he was released on the last list of NXT talent. And then I guess he got re-signed. 
And then he got released again, which has got to be a mind trip. You know, I don't know how you deal with that. And then uh, Marina Shafir as well, which, you know, is a bummer. We saw her pop up in the Raw Underground uh, uh, segments that they were doing several months back and obviously uh, married to Roderick Strong, but that doesn't have much to do with her professional life as of right now, I don't think. So, you know, uh, I think that when you look at it, especially the the cruiserweights, I think that Tony Nese, August Gray, Kurt Stallion, the Bollywood Boys for sure, Marina Shafir, Killian Dane through the roof, and Arya Davari now have this opportunity to like be huge stars on the independents. And that's what I would do for all those names that I just mentioned. You know, and I mentioned it because Ever Rise, I think, is is not because they wouldn't be also be huge on the independents, they would. I think Ever Rise is built for television. Brizango is built for television. Um the Bollywood boys to an extent are built for television, but all those, and Tino Sabatelli is, it feels very television to me. I don't know if they're, Tino never popped up on NXT TV, but it's just that style. Um, but the guys that I named, not that they can't wrestle television style, but I think that all of them, or the people I just named, I should say, Tony Nese, uh, August Gray, Kurt Stallion, Marina Shafir, Killian Dane, Arya Davari. I hope that they, inject a life into the independence. Cause I think all of those names have the potential to take the rub of being in NXT 205 live WWE and become much bigger stars on the independence. I think that all of those names can become much more valuable to AEW, WWE ring of honor impact. If they don't sign exclusively with any of those other promotions right now and rebuild that name on the independence. Tony Nese specifically, I think, is going to be a superstar on the independence. But, you know, I couldn't say the same about all of the people I just named. So my expectations are high with them in terms of what can happen on the independence. Um, Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And speaking of the independence, I want to thank again Nick Gage for doing the show last week. Uh, got so much great feedback on that interview. If you haven't heard it yet, go ahead and listen to last week's show. You can also get the interview uh, at youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. If you're not already subscribed to that YouTube channel, make sure that you subscribe uh, right away 
because um, that's where all the interviews are going up. That's where all of our podcast interviews are going up. And then when it comes to in-studio interviews going forward, uh, those are, of course, going to end up on the Patreon page first, but I'm going to try to get all of those interviews on YouTube to drop the same day as the podcast because there's shouldn't be a lot of editing because when it happens in studio, I do the edits live. So uh, assuming I can get them done, that's my goal, to have a guest more or less every other week here on the podcast and to have the video go up with that guest on the same day over at youtube.com slash wrestling. When we don't have a guest in, for instance, this week, because last week we talked to we talked to the king. Uh, this week, it'll be a discussion point podcast. This week, uh, I was thinking a lot because this last week was the 25th anniversary of the Austin 316 promo, a promo that changed wrestling forever. One of the most important promos ever, and that's why we celebrate it so much. 25 years ago is when that promo dropped. Um, and I'd love to, I'd love to play it for you guys. This is the promo that 25 years ago, King of the Ring 1996 changes everything. What be done is to get that piece of crap out of my ring. Don't just get him out of the ring, get him out of the WWF. Because I've proved, son, without a shadow of a doubt, you ain't got what it takes anymore. You sit there and you thump your Bible and you say your prayers and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. Come on, that's not necessary. All he's got to do is go buy him a cheap bottle of Thunderbird and try to dig back some of that courage he had in his prime. Oh, oh, I love it. Come on, that's not necessary. And he goes on and he drops the because Stone Cold said so there. And it made me think, like you can hear the reaction. Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. And you hear that immediate crowd reaction. The crowd knows that they've seen something special. To me, the reason that that promo is so important is for a few reasons. Number one, it goes beyond wrestling. What I just played for you, you could play for anybody, and nobody's going to tell you that that's not cool. Nobody's going to not get excited. Whatever Stone Cold Steve Austin is selling, the person that you're playing that promo for is buying, and at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. So that's number one. Number two, it, I mean, it changed wrestling as a whole. Not every promo could do that. Not even every promo on my list changes wrestling as a whole. But some of them do. And that's one of them that does. Number three, and this is, to me, I think you, to, to, to be one of the most important wrestling promos of all time, you don't have to change the business. It's helpful if you do. But you don't have to change the business. What you have to do is do something that goes way beyond just speaking to your fans. And quite frankly, goes way beyond just speaking to wrestling fans, which is what you saw there. And number two, the promo has to be on the level that if you eliminated 
the rest of the superstar's career that that single promo does the talking for it. That you can see this one incident of this superstar and it's enough to say, yup, he's the man. Yup, <laughs> she's the man. That to me is what makes a historic promo. That to me is what makes a truly important wrestling promo. And I wanted to make sure that I didn't miss anything. Of course, I I, I have a list here and it's going to be in no particular order. This isn't top eight, one through eight. I can't put it in any particular order. Austin 316 to me is the greatest wrestling promo of all time. But more specifically, Austin 316 for the purpose of this conversation is the most important wrestling promo of all time. I've got eight other promos that I feel like belong on that list for various different reasons. If I'm missing anything, if I'm off, or if there's anything that shouldn't be on this list, feel free to hit me up. I'm going to open my email box again. I haven't checked it in a long time, but I'll open it up because this is a big question that all of us fans together can conversate on. Not Sam Wrestling at gmail.com. If you've got any uh, thoughts on this list, let me know. I want to go through some honorable mentions first. These are not on my list for various reasons, but still really great, really important, really memorable promos. Uh, Roman Reigns getting booed after losing, after, after, after defeating The Undertaker at WrestleMania, coming out the next night on Raw and just getting booed. The reason that that's not on my list is to me, the credit goes to the fans. To me, Roman Reigns did the right thing in that moment and just allowed it to rain down on him. But to me, that's the fans speaking. That's not Roman. Roman, to an extent, uh, drew that out of, of them. But I think that the response that Roman was getting, first of all, he was a good guy beating The Undertaker. And second of all, I don't think those boos were just about The Undertaker losing. I think those boos were about everything. I think those boos go back to the Royal Rumble. I think those boos were about every person that fans wanted to see win that didn't. I, I, I think those boos were about a lot more than one singular match. Still a remarkable moment that I would show for to anybody, but it would also give people the wrong impression. If I showed a non-wrestling fan that moment, they'd go, oh, what is it because this guy sucks so much? And you're like, well, no, I mean, he is Roman Reigns. He is the man. They're like, well, he doesn't seem like the man. So that doesn't work for me. Uh, the Bret Hart post-cage match, this is bullshit promo. You could argue that that should be on the list. Um, to me, I feel like, and this is why it's not on the list. Bret Hart and the work that he did as a villain, as a member of the Hart Foundation, the stuff that Bret Hart did in 1997 is the best stuff in his career. And the fact that Bret Hart is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, to say that it's the best stuff that Bret Hart has ever done says a lot. But to me, the quintessential Bret Hart moment is the finish of WrestleMania 13 and what transpires after that. The double turn officially happens at WrestleMania 13. So for me... The promos that surround that, whether it's before, whether it's after, that's the bow. That's the ribbon. 
on this amazing package that is delivered to us within a match at WrestleMania 13. And that's why Bret Hart is so good. It took him many years to me before he became a master of promos. By the time he was in the Hart Foundation, by the time he was at the end of his WWE run, by the time he was a villain in the United States and a hero everywhere else, he was as good as anybody else was when it came to promos. But before that, he wasn't. However, nobody tells a better story in the ring. And once again, this story that while, yes, it was told in a promo, was really the story was told best in the ring, in the match with Austin at WrestleMania 13. So that's, the, that's why this promo is not there. Um, the Mark Henry fake retirement. Pink salmon jacket. This, I'm, I, I'm, I, it, it's, it's details here. For me, this is not a list of the best segments. This is not a list of the most important segments. This is a list of, of promos. Everything on this list, it's the promo. And I could listen to the audio, and it would be the same. I mean, this is an audio podcast, so that's why it works. I would rank that as... Top swerves, I would rank that as top segments. I would rank that on a lot of lists. I'm putting in an honorable mentions here, but it's not in my eight promos. And again, I love me some Mark Henry. More than I could ever tell you. I love me that segment. More than I could ever tell you. But when I personally, through my eyes, look at that moment, I look at it as a segment and not a promo even though the promo part of the segment was excellent. The promo part of the segment is the actual retirement speech. But then once John Cena, it, it doesn't work as just the promo. John Cena has to get involved. The slam has to happen. All of that has to go down. And so with all those elements, to me, it becomes a segment. It's like, you know, Vince McMahon in the hospital with Mick Foley and Mr. Sacco and Yerple the Clown. Amazing segment. Not a promo. To me, this is your life rock. Amazing segment, not a promo. That's where I'm drawing the line there. Honorable mention, again, this is not my list. Hulk Hogan joining the NWO. The reason that that's not on my list is because to me, that's not the moment. And the promo is not that good. The promo has to be coupled with the fans throwing garbage in the ring and the leg drop that comes before it. It's the it's the moment. It's the, the the promo has to be coupled with the match because the promo it's in and of itself is not great. So that it, it, it's 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 a important historical moment 100%. 100%. It's one of the most. It might you could argue it's the most important historical moment. Certainly of that era. But not just the promo. Y2J's debut. Y2J's debut could certainly be on this list. Um, if I did a top 10, it might be. It just didn't make my eight because it's one of those, I, I don't know. I, I can't tell, I, that one, I don't I, I don't know. It feels more like a, 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 a moment to me. The Rock being involved, you know. I'm there with you. And if you want to argue that it should be on the list, it is. It's definitely worth being a part of this conversation. That's why I'm 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 talking to you. That's why these honorable mentions are being listed. I want them all to be a part of the conversation because they're all great. 
I just want you to know that I haven't like forgotten them as I'm doing this. Uh, Shawn Michaels versus Montreal. Again, I, 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 I think Shawn Michaels versus Montreal, this is 2005. This is the heel turn that lasted a month. This is leading to the Hulk Hogan match at SummerSlam 2005. As good a promo as Shawn Michaels has ever cut. Excellent. However, it is contingent on that match. It is contingent on a storyline that really only lasted a month. So, you know, if it's a storyline that started DX, if it's a storyline that started the NWO, if it's a storyline that started something, if it's a storyline that started Austin 316 that would change wrestling forever, it would absolutely be on this list. But the promo is probably the best part of that whole rivalry. So that's why the promo in and of itself, it's probably on the list of best promos, but not most important. Not most important. And finally, and this is a controversial one, Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, Muck of Everest. And I like it so much. I, I, I want to play it for you. This is not in my top eight, but I do want to play it for you just because it's this promo is mind-boggling good, and I'll explain to you why in a minute. Jake the Snake Roberts, the match is at hand. Well, well, the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Here we are at WrestleMania, and it's the biggest match of your career. Why? Because everything you stand for is on the line, namely the million-dollar belt. Oh, yeah. It can be yours once again. You see, all you have to do to get it back <laughs> is go through Damien and me. But you see, Damien and I don't forget. We remember all the times you made people grovel for your money. These were people far less fortunate than you. People who could use your money for essentials. And what did you do? You made fun of them. You humbled them. And you humiliated them. Well, now it's my turn. I'm going to make you beg, DiBiase. You are going to get down on your hands and knees. This time, you'll be the one that's humbled. This time, you'll be the one that's humiliated. And this time, you will be the one that grovels for the money. And how appropriate <laughs> that the money you grovel for is your very own. A victim of your own greed, wallowing in the muck of avarice. Longfellow couldn't have said it better. <laughs> Dude, that promo is so incredible. Because it's 1990, and Jake the Snake Roberts is leading to a match that is basically about gimmicks and accessories. It's the million-dollar title is in Damien's bag or something like that. Like, they're, they're arguing over a title that the million-dollar man made up and the snake that Jake Roberts brings to the ring with him. It should be cheesy as hell. It should be corny as hell. And instead... You're as invested as humanly possible. Jake the Snake Roberts has drawn you in and made you believe that this is now a battle for the ages. This is a, 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 a battle that, 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 that drives deep into your soul, that this is about everything. You know, we're all sitting here giggling about the stunts, the, the gimmicks that the Million Dollar Man is doing, you know, making people grovel for money. Meanwhile, Jake the Snake Roberts is bringing up the fact that these people who are less fortunate than you need that money for essentials. Like, this isn't a joke. 
This is people's livelihoods that you're talking about. And the muck of Everest? You got to go and look up what the word Everest means. You're like, oh my God, this guy's a genius. A genius. The only reason this promo, because if I'm making the list of best promos, it's on the list. The only reason this promo is not on the list is kind of for the same reason why the Shawn Michaels Montreal promo is not on the list because ultimately it really is only about one match. On a larger perspective, it it demonstrates the abilities that Jake the Snake Roberts has to make you care, to make you feel, to draw you in, to get his message out to you. If you want to explain to somebody why Jake the Snake Roberts is one of the best promos of all time, Muck of Everest is, is the one to pick. But ultimately, it is only about this one match. And that's the only reason it's not on my most important promos of all time, but because it demonstrates so well what Jake the Snake Roberts' abilities are, I would absolutely listen to arguments that it should be on the list. And that's why I decided not only to put it on the honorable mentions, but to play it. All right, now let's talk about the eight, the elite eight. This is my list. The eight most important wrestling promos of all time. I'm going to start with a spot that you know I'm going with. You know this is going to be on the list. So that's why I'm playing it to start. It's 1985. It's Dusty Rhodes in its hard times. Here is the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. And Dusty, your fans welcome you back, man. First of all, I would like to thank the many, many fans throughout this country that wrote cards and letters to Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, while I was down. Secondly, I want to thank Jim Crockett Promotions for waiting and taking the time because I know how important it was. Starcade 85, it is to the wrestling fans, it is to Jim Crockett Promotions. And Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, with that weight, got what I wanted. Ric Flair, the world's heavyweight champion. I don't have to say a lot more about the way I feel about Ric Flair. No respect, no honor. There is no honor among thieves in the first place. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years. 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt, and say, hey, a computer took your place, Daddy. That's hard time. That's hard time. And Ric Flair, you put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard time. And we all had hard times together. I admit I don't look like the athlete of the day supposed to look. My belly's just a little big. My hand is just a little big. But brother, I am bad and they know I'm bad. And there were two bad people. One was John Wayne and he's dead, brother. And the other one's right here. Nature Boy Ric Flair. The world's heavyweight title belongs to these people. I'm gonna reach out right now. 
I want you at home to know my hand is touching your hand for this gathering of the biggest body of people in this country, in this universe, all over the world now, reaching out because the love that was given me and this time I will repay you now because I will be the next world's heavyweight champion on this hard time blues. Dusty Rhodes Tour 885 and Ric Flair Nature Boy. Let me leave you with this. One way to hurt Ric Flair is to take what he cherishes more than anything in the world. That's the world's heavyweight title. I'm gonna take it, I've been there twice. This time when I take it, Daddy, I'm gonna take it for you. Let's gather for it. Don't let me down now, cause I came back for you, for that man up there that died 10, 12 years ago and never got the opportunity to see a real wolf champion. And I'm proud of you and thank God I have you. And I love you. Love you! Oh. My. God. If that is not coursing through your veins right now, I don't know who you are. If you are not on the side of the Amac dream today, I don't know who you are. You will never, if you have never watched a minute of wrestling in your entire life, and I put that on for you, and you don't feel something, you're in a box, baby. You're dead. I mean, that right there, when you have a career as incredible as the American Dream Dusty Rhodes career was, and you can sit there and go, no, Hard Times is so good that you could delete his entire career and just show Hard Times to somebody. And they would sit there and go, oh, no, I get it. Yeah, he seems like he's probably the best of all time. Oh, I get why he's on Mount Rushmore. He seems like he's on the best. He seems like he's the best of all time. That promo, while, first of all, yes, it was leading to a match with Ric Flair. Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair, arguably the greatest, inarguably one of the greatest rivalries of all time. And this is the story of the rivalry. This is the story of one of the greatest rivalries ever. This is the story of Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes, while yes, yes, he's telling you, that the match with Ric Flair is going to be a good one and you should buy a ticket for it. What he's really explaining is the story of who Dusty Rhodes is. Who is the American dream? The American dream is the person that understands hard times, that sees hard times, that's not over here bragging about alligator shoes and $50,000 Rolexes. The American dream is aware of the plight of the working man in 1985. And that, is who the American dream represents, and that's who the American dream wants to represent as the champion of the world. I mean, if you don't sit there and go, not only do I understand every great thing that was ever said about Dusty Rhodes, but I actually think he's underrated after hearing hard times. I don't know who you are. They go, 
oh, Dusty Rhodes was uh, in charge of promo class for, for so long. What did he ever do? Here's hard times. Okay. Yeah, no. He should be in charge of this and any other promo class that he ever wants to be in charge of. Hey, I'm watching AEW. Why does Cody Rhodes mention uh, his dad so much? Oh, here's hard times. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I get it. I get it. I mean, this is the promo that nobody will ever live up to. This is it. This is it. This is the promo that you could argue with Austin 316. This is, it's, it's, it's generation defining and it goes beyond just that generation. You could play that today for anybody. And they'll go, yep, that's awesome. So hard times is on my list. And I think uh, for great reasons. Uh, speaking of Ric Flair, let's go right into it because I've got a Ric Flair promo uh, on this list. And the Ric Flair promo is tough because there's been so many great Ric Flair promos. He went on that run in the NWA, you know, where there's, there's a montage of Flair promos from his time in the NWA, from his time with the Horsemen, where he's bragging about all this stuff, where he's talking about Space Mountain and Rolexes and limousines, airplanes, kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing, woo, son of a gun. It's, I mean, it goes beyond wrestling, far beyond wrestling. It's made him a star in hip hop. It's, it's, it's mainstream pop culture at this point. But for me, when you talk about important promos, there is no more important Ric Flair promo and therefore... Very uh, among the most important promos of all time. It's Ric Flair after winning the Royal Rumble in 1992. All right, by virtue of winning the Royal Rumble, we have a brand new World Wrestling Federation champion as the press watches on. At this time, to present the title belt to the new champion, our president, the distinguished Jack Cunney. Congratulations, Ric Flair, on becoming the undisputed champion of the World Wrestling Federation. Let me just say, after very distorting the belt to proclaim me the real world champion, I'm going to tell you all, with a tear in my eye, this is the greatest moment in my life. When you walk around this world and you tell everybody you're number one, the only way you get to stay number one is to be number one. And this is the only title in the wrestling world that makes you number one when you are the king of the WWE. You rule the world. Think about it like that, Mr. Perfect. Guys, the brain. Woo! 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 Let's give a big one! Woo! Woo! You did it! I was never so impressed with anything I've ever seen in all my life. I'll tell you why that's so good. Ric Flair is cutting a promo on the industry. Ric Flair in 1992 is letting the world know. Oh no. Wrestling, I'm not done with you yet. You might think you're done with me, but I am not done with you yet. He's telling everybody in WCW, in the NWA, that thought his time had passed. Ha, 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 ha. Look at me. World champion. And it's the only title that matters. I love so much. You know, you hear, I love, and maybe I shouldn't love this. But this is a guy with a family. There's a guy with a wife. This is a guy with kids. And he doesn't say, this is the greatest moment in my professional life. This is the greatest moment in my career. He says winning the WWE Championship is the greatest moment in his life. Everything. All encompassing. 
There is no better Ric Flair promo than that because that's the real Ric Flair. And that's the other thing that makes most of these promos that we're talking about, maybe all of them, so good. It's real. It's the real person dropping bombs. And Ric Flair just put the industry on notice. Space Mountain is far from being closed because he just won the Royal Rumble and it made him the WWE champion. I remember being confused as a kid. I remember it's, it's, it's 92. I was uh, eight years old. And I watch Ric Flair, and he wins the Royal Rumble, and he cuts this promo. And I go, Ric Flair's a bad guy. I hate Ric Flair. Why am I so excited for him? Why do I feel so moved by the words that he's saying? I'm eight. I am moved by the words that Ric Flair is saying. Ric Flair has, has, has gone through the TV screen, and he's hit me. He's not bragging. He's not talking about money. He's not talking about anything. He's actually vulnerable in this position. He's sitting there going, he's acknowledging that he's talked about being the man for as long as he's talked about being the man. And this means the world to him because it means he was right. Woo! Woo! So great. I mean, just next level. I love the 92 Ric Flair promo. Well, I guess we went from 1985 to 1992. I guess we can go chronologically. This one might be a little bit more controversial for people. I know that this one won't make everybody's list, but this one absolutely deserves to be on the list. And I will explain to you why this is on my list. This is 1995, I believe. This is ECW now. This is Cactus Jack, Kane Dewey. As Terry Funk took a bottle and began slicing and dicing Cactus Jack, the pain was so much, Tommy, that I'll be honest with you, I wanted to say, I quit Terry Funk, I give. I waved the flag and I'm a coward. Please don't cut me anymore. When I saw my saving grace, you see, Tommy, I looked out into that audience, my adoring crowd, and I saw two simple words that changed my life. Cain Dewey. Somebody had taken the time and the effort and the thought to make a sign that said Cain Dewey. And I saw other people around as every moment in my life stopped and focused in on that sign. And the pain that shot through my bigotti became a distant memory. Replaced by the pain that will be embedded in my skull till my dying day. Kane Dewey. Kane Dewey. Dewey Foley is a three-year-old boy. You sick sons of bitches! You ripped out my heart! You took everything I believed in and you flushed it down the damn toilet! You flushed my heart! 
You blessed my soul, and now it sickens me to sit back and see other people making the same mistake. You see, Tommy Driver, I gotta listen to my little boy. Every day of my life, say, Daddy, I miss Atlanta, and I say it's too bad, son, because your dad traded in the Victorian house for a sweat box in Long Island. Your dad traded in a hundred thousand dollar contract, guaranteed money, insurance, respect, and the name on the dotted line of the greatest man in the world to work for a scumbag who operates out of a little pissant pawn shop in Philadelphia. You don't expect me to be bitter. Tommy, when you open up your heart, when you open up your soul, and it gets on, it tends to make Jack a very mean boy. And so I'm saying to you, before I take these aggressions out on you, to look at your future, and realize that the hardcore life is a lie. That these letters behind me are a blatant lie. That those fans who sit there and say, he's hardcore, he's hardcore, he's hardcore, wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire, you selfish son of a bitch. But I want you to understand, Tommy, and though he's hurt you time and time again deep in his heart, Raven wants you to understand that the hatred I have in here is not for you. No, no, far removed. You see, Tommy, I'm not doing this because I hate you. I love you, man. I only want the best for you, but when I hear that WCW called up your number and you say no thank you, well, it makes my blood run cold. As cold as that night in the ECW arena. And so I have got a moral obligation. You see, Tommy, I'm on the path of righteousness, and righteous men wield a lot of power. So if I've got to drag you by your face to that telephone call and dial collect and say hello Eric it's me Cactus and though I know I've burnt my bridge and I'll never be taken back with open arms I've got a wrestler here who will gladly trade in his ECW shirt for a pair of green suspenders and Tommy just think of that sound in your ear when Uncle Eric says Welcome home, Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> Welcome home. <laughs> I love being right. Oh. Oh, I mean, how can you not? What's so great about that is listen, and that's why I let the whole thing play through. I was enamored of it. Watching Mick Foley fall in and out of folklore and not folklore, in and out of canon, 
He's talking real life with 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 his son Dewey. He's talking he's talking real life about the fans being disrespectful. But then he's bringing up Eric Bischoff and calling him the greatest man in the world. He's bringing up Tommy Dreamer. Like he's furthering story. And the reason why this promo is so important is number one, I firmly believe that anybody that watches that is like, oh my god, I don't know half of what this guy is talking about, but I'm following. I'm following. But the reason it's so great is because this leads to everything in Mick Foley's career. In my opinion, Mick Foley became a legend when he showed that not only can he do the hardcore, but he can do the ha-ha. He can wrestle a non-hardcore match. He can wrestle a hardcore match. He can wrestle a death match. And he can entertain with the greatest pro wrestlers that have entertained in the entire world. And this promo is what leads to all of it. See, up until this promo, Cactus Jack had developed this reputation of being this psychotic, violent guy, you know, doing things in WCW that nobody would have done, doing the bumps on the concrete, his matches with Vader. He goes to Japan. This is only a couple months after the King of the Deathmatch tournament. Here's why he's talking about the bed of nails, doing a bed of nails match, doing barbed wire explosion matches. He's in ECW, and he should be the most beloved guy in ECW because he's hardcore. He's hardcore. And this leads to him not only being a, a villain, not only being a bad guy, but wrestling in a way where he's not doing the hardcore stuff anymore, so he proves that he doesn't need to do that. And the promos that he cuts after this are hilarious, where he's putting the pencil behind his ear. Oops, can't, because I'm hardcore. I'm hardcore. You know, I, I mean, it's just so good. And it shows, this promo leads to showing the entire range of what Mick Foley is capable of doing. And he had to, I feel like, go backwards to play Mankind. But Mankind went on that whole ride. And I feel like if if the doors that were unlocked in the brain of Mick Foley by this promo and everything that followed this promo, if those doors were not unlocked, then I don't know that they would have been unlocked with Mankind and playing Dude Love and everything that he did in WWE. And all that stuff is so important. And I feel like if you trace it all back, you can trace it all back to the Kane Dewey promo. That's why it's on my list of my most important wrestling promos. That was 1995. Let's go to one year later, 1996. This is why Hulk Hogan's Bash at the Beach 96 promo is not on my list. Because in May of 1996, Scott Hall, two months before Bash at the Beach, showed up on WCW Nitro. I can't believe it. I can't believe what I'm saying. You people. What's with him? You know who I am. But you don't know why I'm here. Are we going to get security here? Where is billionaire Ted? Where is the Nacho Man? <laughs> that punk can't even get in the building. Me, I go wherever I want, whenever I want. And where, oh where, is Scheme Gene? Because I got a scoop 
for you. When that Ken doll look-alike, when that weatherman wannabe comes out here later tonight, I got a challenge for him, for billionaire Ted, for the Nacho Man, and for anybody else in uh, WCW. <laughs> hey, you want to go to war? You want a war? You're going to get one. Just the most important words spoke in the mid-1990s. Just some words that changed wrestling forever. Two sets of words. You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Promo, 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 promo. You wanted a war? You got one. This is a promo that started the NWO. This is the promo that made everybody talk. This is the promo that had everybody. Tuesday morning, I remember going to school on Tuesday morning. Did you see Razor Ramon on WCW? Razor showed up. He said he was talking about Nacho Man and Billionaire Ted. By the way, any sort of narrative that says that the NWO was not supposed to be WWE, it was supposed to be disgruntled WCW employees, ridiculous, insane. Clearly, he's showing up in a vest, sort of talking like Razor, toothpick in his mouth, and he's mentioning Nacho Man and Billionaire Ted, which were the WWE parodies of Macho Man and Ted Turner. So, I mean, clearly he's a representative of WWE. Uh, uh, but, I mean, th the amount that he did in those few words right there, Scott Hall changed wrestling, and he executed it to perfection. He didn't make it seem too cheesy. He didn't make it seem so real that it's obviously fake. It was just in the weirdness of the commentary under it. It was just like, oh, what's he doing? Because people kind of knew that Razor was leaving. So people kind of knew he had signed with WCW. So it's not like they were going to make this seem like, oh, this is real, real. But they made it seem like this is wrestling real. This is something different. There was a, a clear structure shift in the narrative from the minute that he stepped into the ring with his jeans tucked into his combat boots. There was no turning back. Those words changed wrestling forever. And that one I won't accept any debate on. If you don't think you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here, isn't among, if not the most important wrestling promos of all time, I don't know what you're looking at. Let's move on to uh, 1997, a year later. And another, I believe, promo, but you could argue this is a segment, but, you know, that's the argument I will accept. That this could, you could argue that this is a segment, not a promo. And it's very long, and it's a two-parter. We're not going to listen to the whole thing. But this is 1997. Again, change the business forever. Brett screwed Brett. Seven days ago at the Survivor Series, did you or did you not screw Bret Hart? Some would say... I screwed Bret Hart. Bret Hart would definitely tell you I screwed him. I look at it from a different standpoint. I look at it from the standpoint of the referee did not screw Bret Hart. Shawn Michaels certainly did not screw Bret Hart. Nor did Vince McMahon screw Bret Hart. I truly believe that Bret Hart 
screwed Bret Hart. And he can look in the mirror and know that. I'm sure in some parts of the country right now, there's a collective groan that you're not accepting responsibility, that you orchestrated the situation. And the fact that uh, there, people are not going to understand what you mean by Bret Hart screwed Bret Hart. So what do you mean by that? Well, I will certainly take responsibility for any decision I've ever made. I've never had a problem doing that. Not that all of my decisions are accurate. They're not. But when I make a bad decision, I'm not above saying I'm sorry and trying to do the best uh, about it that I can. Hopefully the batting average is, is pretty good. I make more good decisions than I do bad decisions. And as far as screwing Bret Hart is concerned, there's a time-honored tradition in the wrestling business that when someone is leaving, that they show the right amount of respect to the WWF superstars, in this case, who helped make you that superstar. That you show the proper respect to the organization that helped you become who you are today. It's a time-honored tradition, and Bret Hart didn't want to honor that tradition. And that's something I would have never, ever expected from Brett because he is known somewhat as a traditionalist in this business. It would have never crossed my mind that Brett would not have wanted to show the right amount of respect to the superstars who, make, who helped make him and the organization who helped make him what he is today. Nonetheless, that was Brett's decision. Brett screwed Brett. This is like the beginning of podcast. This is like the original, like, oh, my God. Do you hear what Vince McMahon is saying on television right now? I mean, it goes on and on. There's so many great lines from it. That's really why it's on the list, because every wrestling fan can recite lines from it. Bret Hart acted very selfishly. But, I mean, just the fact that Vince McMahon is on Monday Night Raw in 1997 talking about the time-honored traditions. Talking, They have never gone this inside up until this point. They have never gone on television and talked about the idea that, you know, without saying it, of course Brett would lose the championship. Wrestling results are predetermined, and he was leaving the company. That's what you do. He's basically saying you go out on your back. And it's like, whoa. This is earth-shattering for a few reasons. Number one, it completely tore down what was left of the fourth wall. That's gone. Now, now we're all equals here. There is no behind the scenes and in front of the scene. This is, uh, the internet starts tick, 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 ticking in here. And what you're almost doing is giving fans permission to go like, no, 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 no. I'm a real wrestling fan. So I know what's happening in front of the camera and behind the camera. I know what the time honor traditions are. I know that Brett acted selfish. Like, you know, all this stuff. The, up until this point, even with the NWO, for the most part, was fairly well protected. That's all gone. So not only is that accomplished, but at the same time, arguably the greatest heel in the history of WWE, certainly the heel that took Stone Cold Steve Austin to the next level, and certainly the heel character that brought WWE to a place where they started beating Monday Nitro in the ratings war and brought WWE to a place where they could be this global empire, it started with Vince McMahon becoming a villain, with Vince McMahon becoming Mr. McMahon. And what we're seeing here is the fact that Vince McMahon is so freely talking about business on television, 
but he's still doing it in a way where there's certain things. He's aware that he's on television. And that, that is the seed of Mr. McMahon being planted. And Mr. McMahon is what drives the WWE in the NWO era when it's like the NWO was so hot that not only did it change wrestling, but the NWO was an angle that was so hot that it almost put WWE out of business entirely. And it was the Mr. McMahon character and coming off of this that I mean, put the ga- DX was already happening, of course, but it put the gas pedal on what was going on with DX. It put the gas pedal on what was going on with Austin. And now Mr. McMahon is this character that after doing this interview, you want to boo. And he leans all the way in. Whew, this is crazy. I mean, look, I know non-wrestling fans that watch that Bret Hart documentary and Montreal was the thing they were talking about. So I'm telling you right now, that this interview with Vince McMahon goes way beyond wrestling. So important. So very important. Doesn't get your blood bubbling the way some of these other promos do, but still, as a moment, couldn't be more important. Let's go to two years in the future. We've now got six, one, two, three, four, five. Let's go to number six. Two years in the future. We go to 1999. This one will probably be controversial as well. This one probably won't be on everybody's list, but it's certainly on my list. It's Triple H letting JR know that he is the game. And again, by the way, second second spot in a row that JR is involved in these promos. You asked that China not be involved in this interview, and I'm just wondering why. Why? Everybody wants to know why. You know what? Because this one is about me, JR. It's not about China or anybody else. It's about four weeks from now. It's about 28 days from now. It's about me getting what I want out of this business, and that is becoming the WWF champion. So you're saying that in four weeks at SummerSlam, you will become the WWF champion without China's help. You're right. I don't need anybody else, JR. This is about me. I don't need to be in a clique anymore. I don't need to be in DX anymore. This is about me. It's about me reaching my goals. You know, and while we're at it, this goes back a long way, JR. This goes back to the click. This goes back to Madison Square Garden. Me walking in the ring and saying goodbye to my friends. That's four years ago. You're damn right it's four years ago, and every day it's eating a hole in my stomach, JR. Every single day. Watch your language a little. What, you you want me to shoot with this interview? I'm going to shoot with it. I'm going to tell you how I feel, whether you like it or not. It's about four years ago, Madison Square Garden, I walked to the ring to say goodbye to my friends, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Shawn Michaels. Who got punished for that, JR? Me. I did. You know why? Because you didn't have the Nobody in the office had that to do it to anybody else. They did it to me. Why? Because I was the easy one. I was the one that would take it. Good old Triple H, he'll rise to the occasion later on. Don't worry about it. He'll come through. We can take care of that now, punish him, get rid of that. He'll come back later. Well, you know what? That makes me sick in my stomach. Every time I look at you guys, it makes me sick to think what you did to me, holding me back. You guys talk about being students of the game. I am the game, JR. 
There is nobody that eats, sleeps, or breathes this business more than me. And now it's my time to prove that to the world. SummerSlam is my time to take what is mine, and that is becoming the WWF champion. Ugh. I am the fucking game. Triple H. You know, and to me, this is one of these things when people go, why is Triple H the man? You know, like, I know about Stone Cold. I know about The Rock. I know about Mankind. I know about Shawn Michaels. How did Triple H become the man? I can just play him this promo. That's what I mean about how important these promos are. When you go back and you want to do Scott Hall and the NWO, you give him that one moment. Oh, this is cool. All the Mr. McMahon stuff. Brett screwed Brett. As I was talking about Dusty, Kane Dewey, all of it. Why is Triple H the man? How did Triple H? Triple H comes in as a as a, as almost a journeyman wrestler. He comes in as a mid-card guy, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Heavy gimmick. Heavy gimmick. And he's sitting there, and he's now in a place in the WWE. Kevin Nash is gone. Scott Hall is gone. One, two, three, kid. Well, he came back, I guess. Shawn Michaels is gone. He did the DX thing. It worked. He did the good guy thing. He held Mick Foley up on his shoulders. He did the whole thing. Now what? Can you step up? Do you need the set decoration? And it's not just can you step up. It's not as easy as can you just make it to the next level. It's, hey, without all this decoration, without the outlaws, without X-Pac, without China, without Suck It, without every, all the other tchotchkes, no disrespect to any of the people I just described as tchotchkes. I didn't intend to. But without all the, everything else, can you step up and live in a world with Austin, Rock, Mankind, Kurt Angles coming up? Can you do that? And Triple H is saying, damn right I can. And this promo drops and you're like, I believe it. I believe it. There's a reason why this drops in 1999 and here we are 22 years later. 22 years later, and we're still calling him the game because that's how powerful that statement was. Oh, gives me goosebumps still to this day. Let's go all the way forward now. That was 99. Let's go 12 years into the future for number seven on my list of eight most important promos of all time. You know what it is. This microphone in my in, in anyone else's hands I said, why? That's just a microphone. But in my hands, it's a pipe bomb. John Cena speared. John Cena, while you you lay there, hopefully as uncomfortable as you possibly can be, I want you to listen to me. I want you to digest this because before I leave in three weeks with your WWE championship, I have a lot of things I want to get off my chest. I don't hate you, John. I don't even dislike you. I do like you. I like you a hell of a lot more than I like most people in the back. I hate this idea that you're the best. Because you're not. I'm the best. I'm the best in the world. 
there's one thing you're better at than I am, and that's kissing Vince McMahon's ass. You're as good as kissing Vince's ass as Hulk Hogan was. I don't know if you're as good as Dwayne, though. He's a pretty good ass kisser. Always was and still is. Oops, I'm breaking the fourth wall. I am the best wrestler in the world. I've been the best ever since day one when I walked into this company and I've been vilified and hated since that day because Paul Heyman saw something in me that nobody else wanted to admit. That's right, I'm a Paul Heyman guy. You know who else was a Paul Heyman guy? Brock Lesnar. And he split just like I'm splitting, but the biggest difference between me and Brock is I'm going to leave with the WWE Championship. I've grabbed so many of Vincent K. McMahon's imaginary brass rings that it's finally dawned on me that they're just that. They're completely imaginary. The only thing that's real is me and the fact that day in and day out for almost six years I have proved to everybody in the world that I am the best on this microphone, in that ring, even at commentary. Nobody can touch me. And yet, no, how many, no matter how many times I prove it, I'm not on your lovely little collector cups. I'm not on the cover of the program. I'm barely promoted. I don't get to be in movies. I'm certainly not on any crappy show on the USA Network. I'm not on the poster WrestleMania. I'm not in the signature that's produced at the start of the show. I'm not on Conan O'Brien, I'm not on Jimmy Fallon, but the fact of the matter is I should be, and trust me, this isn't sour grapes, but the fact that Dwayne is in the main event of WrestleMania next year and I'm not makes me sick. Oh, and hey, let, let me get something straight. Those of you who are cheering me right now, you are just the biggest part of me leaving as anything else. Because you're the ones that are sipping out of those collector cups right now. You're the ones that buy those programs that my face isn't on the cover of. And then at 5 in the morning at the airport, you try to shove it in my face so you can get an autograph and try to sell it on eBay because you're too lazy to go get a real job. I'm leaving with the WWE Championship on July 17th, and hell, who knows, maybe I'll go defend it in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Maybe I'll go back to Ring of Honor. Hey, Colt Cabana, how you doing? The reason I'm leaving is you people, because after I'm gone, you're still gonna pour money into this company. I'm just a spoke on the wheel. The wheel's gonna keep turning, and I understand that. But Vince McMahon's gonna make money despite himself. He's a millionaire who should be a billionaire. You know why he's not a billionaire? It's because he surrounds himself with glad-handing, nonsensical, yes-men.
like John Laurinaitis, who's going to tell him everything that he wants to hear. And I'd like to think that maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead. But the fact is, it's, it's going to get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law and the rest of his stupid family. Let me tell you a personal story about Vince McMahon, all right? Can we do this whole bully camp? And his mic cuts off. I mean, <laughs> I, I am nervous just playing the audio from that promo from 10 years ago at this point. That's how effective it was. That promo sent, it was a culture shock to the world of wrestling. Everybody, talk about lapsed fans. People who hadn't watched in 10 years were coming up to me going like, what's this CM Punk thing? It went everywhere. It led to Money in the Bank 2011. It's still one of the most exciting pay-per-views that I remember. We were talking about fans, you know, coming back and and, and great moments that, that the fans added to. And Mike Mansuri brought up that, that Money in the Bank match that this promo is leading to with John Cena and CM Punk. I mean... Everything that people love about CM Punk is illustrated in this promo. And it absolutely, I mean, it brought back that level of reality that had sort of seeped away. And it still comes and goes. But it's it's that level of reality coming back that, to me, just makes this such an important promo and just a, just a historical moment. My last promo is another one that it's like it's just like the flair one it's like the punk one we just heard the mick foley one the triple h one vince talking about brett it's real life it's real life being reflected in this wrestling promo and you can kind of pick up on where wrestling promo starts and reality kicks in and wrestling promo comes back and back to reality but sometimes it gets real tough to figure it out we go to 2016 and we go, well, after CM Punk cut something that was that reality-based and that made people feel that much, who is going to be able to match that? Who, after the pipe bomb, is going to be able to cut a promo that permeates on that level? And, of course, there's only one answer. The Miz in 2016 on Talking Smack. Uh, there's no gentle way to say it. To me, you wrestle like a coward. You wrestle like somebody who's, I, af who's afraid to get hit. Like, I, I, re I, wrest I wrestle like, like a coward. You I wrestle like a coward. I'm the one? If I, if I were to create a wrestler who, to me, like embodies, like when I was an independent guy and I was thinking like, oh, okay, what's the soft WWE style? It would be that. WWE is transformed in the last- Hold on, you, you, had a, you, you had your chance to talk. You, you're the one that called me a coward in, in the wrestling ring. I'm the coward in the wrestling ring. Yeah. But let's talk about cowards for one second. Okay. The reason I wrestle the way I wrestle is because I can do it day in and day out all the time for 10 plus years i have never never in my career ever have been injured i don't get injured for six months to a year i am here each and every week but you sit there and call me a coward yeah. i'm the coward wait let me tell you about a coward let me tell you about a guy who tells his wwe fans the people that he loves that he will be back he promises them i promise you i will be back in one year's time to claim this title but you didn't daniel did you but i'm the coward okay, i'm the one that they, doesn't love if the they, fans if they would let me come back i would come back oh they, they, if you you would yeah. you would you you love that wwe ring you love being wrestling you love being right in that wrestling ring and 
and you love wrestling, right? Well, yeah. why don't you quit? Why don't you quit and go to the bingo halls with your indie okay, friends? Okay, I think you then, need to huh? calm. No, that's, not no, this, that's not what this show's we about. The GM have this. Thank you very much, Renee. This is a great show, but we're talking here. I need to talk to you real quick because the fact is you're the one that calls me the coward, but you're the one that doesn't get in the WWE ring again. No, don't you walk away from me, Daniel. Don't you walk away. I'm the one that loves the fans. I'm the one that loves everyone and everything. You're the one that gets up and walks away every single time. You're the coward. I am not a coward. I am your intercontinental champion, and there's a reason I am the title. Reason making this the most relevant, prestigious title that WWE has, and I deserve okay. the respect okay. on SmackDown Live. Get that camera right here. Get that camera right here. Understand that this is day 141 of the never-ending Intercontinental Championship World Tour, and I swear to you, I promise you, it will be the most relevant title on SmackDown Live. I could care less about those little kids on, on, on for the tag team titles and the Women's Championship and the WWE Championship. This is my show. My show. And I'm sick of all of you, my GM, sitting there criticizing me, calling me the coward. You're the cowards. I'm the one here, day in and day out, in that wrestling ring, beating people up. Thank you very much. How do you not love everything that The Miz does after that? How are you not a Miz fan after that? I mean, real life personified. It's everything. That is that is 10 years built in the Miz that he has been waiting to spill out. I mean, just absolutely incredible. It made it so that to this day, all people want to do is somehow see the Daniel Bryan-Miz rivalry revived. And quite frankly, after that promo, that's one of those moments where people go, why isn't the Miz WWE champion? Why can't you get... Put The Miz in a position where we get more of this out of The Miz. But honestly, like if people are like, how did The Miz, how, how, how has The Miz had a career that's been this long? I'm going to play that promo. Oh, yeah, I watched The Miz on The Real World. How is he as a wrestler? I'm going to play that promo. Nobody's going to watch that promo and not be like, oh, God, I didn't realize he was that good. It's just perfect. It's just Perfect, and all these promos are. So that's my eight. That's the Elite Eight. That's the most important wrestling promos of all time. The 1992 Ric Flair Royal Rumble victory promo. The Pipe Bomb. Kane Dewey. Hard Times. Triple H telling JR he is the game. Brett screwed Brett. You know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. And Miz on Talking Smack. If you disagree with any of that, my email is notsamewrestling at gmail.com. I told you what my honorable mentions were as well, and I hope that you understand my philosophy behind naming these as the top promos. I appreciate all of you. Don't forget, if you want the show ad-free and early and you want to get a bonus show every single week on Thursdays, not Thursday, Not Sam Thursday, go to patreon.com slash notsamwrestling uh, and become a Not Sam shill. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can get all the interviews youtube.com slash not sam wrestling and uh we'll see you soon have a good one everybody thanks for listening follow at not sam on twitter instagram facebook and youtube rate review and subscribe this has been 